Welcome back, one and all. Jack Drastic, Danny Franks. We are men seeking tomahawks. Dan, how are we? You know, when they say uh, the first is the worst, second is the best, and third is the man with the hair on its chest, this is the third episode, and I think that's rather uh, rather good description. I'm not sure I've ever heard what you just said, but... That's like like uh, playground games, playground songs. Ah, playground songs. Love it. Love it. So how are you doing, man? Um we had a freeze not too long ago, and then we had massive thunderstorms, and uh, didn't didn't realize we'd be starting with a weather report. But I know you you had tornado sirens just the other day. Yeah, anyone who's not in Texas or like in my neighborhood, a bunch of people that are from out of state, probably most neighborhoods in Texas right now is full of people from out of state. That's kind of the the mo right now, as everyone seems to be moving here. But tornadoes are. I think kind of a unique thing for our part of the country, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, right? Uh, you know, we're not we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto kind of thing. But yeah, so so tornadoes are new introductions to people. So for us, it's like you know, there's tornado siren, probably not going to hit us. Could we know people who've been hit? We see the devastation, sure. But it's a little more like you're used to it. You you know where in your house to go, how to protect yourself as best you can. Uh, but, you know, I'm on a, a couple text strings with some neighbors who are not natives here, and they were freaking out pretty pretty good. And I, I don't blame them. I mean, it's scary when you hear the sirens going off down the street and not quite sure what to expect. So, yeah, some some fun things to start off the spring here. Well, glad you, glad you survived yet another catastrophe in this uh, catastrophe-ridden life that we seem to be living. And speaking of uh, devastation... We're going to talk about malls today, Dan, and uh, I think it's fair to say that many of them are fairly devastated at this point in one way or another. Yeah, that's definitely something you could have even said before the madness we've seen over the past year and a half, and I think even more so now, uh, this is a super topical conversation to have, and it's one I'm personally very excited to chat about. You know, I wasn't at first. You picked... You picked this week this week's uh, entry uh, in the uh, topic spin the topic wheel, and I didn't have much interest. And then I started reading and saying, "Holy cow! There's a there is a lot here. This is interesting. A lot of facets for us to delve into." And I believe in our first segment, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Dead Mall Explorer, the the people who go out there and and uh, survey. The carnage for us. Now, Dan, I don't know if you remember this, if you recall, but you and I had a dead mall experience. Does does that ring a bell? Do you recall this? We've had a lot of experiences. You're gonna have to give me uh give me some hints here. Well, it was shortly after I returned from having lived out of state for a couple of years. You and I, uh, one of the very first things I did when I got back to town was call my little buddy. And Dan's laughing, so he remembers this. So I'll, I'll go ahead and tell tell the folks. So I figured, you know, hadn't seen Dan for a couple of years. Let's go catch a ball game. So we were uh, headed to see the old Texas Rangers. And I had not been in town for a while. And I knew of one mall in the Arlington area. The Arlington area being where the Rangers reside. And so I told Dan, I said, hey, let's let's go meet at the mall. And so 
I was thinking we were going to the Six Flags Mall, which at that point in time was very much a dead mall. And Dan thought we were going to the the actual, the new fandangled shiny mall down the road. And so we both sat in our cars for quite a while. And then we realized the snafu there. And then, yeah, we, we ended up going into some sort of outlet store that was the only remaining thing in the building. And it was just packed. It was like a Salvation Army, you know, packed with last year's model of every garment you could think of packed to the gills. And I remember the thing that, that really, whenever this was the very first thing I thought of whenever you brought up talking about dead malls was that we were able to see beyond uh, some windows into the mall. You couldn't go in there, but you could kind of peek your head in and see uh, lights out. You know, that's where the Froyo place used to be. That's where there used to be a mall directory. And it, it was super creepy to to have a look at. Yeah. And we'll talk about some of this stuff a little bit more here in the next segment. But yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's one of the things when these people are exploring these dead malls or dying malls is to kind of stick your head where you're not supposed to look in the, you know, look in the closed down store, maybe pry open a door or two that you're not supposed to. So, yeah, that's part of the part of the kind of the excitement of this is, you know, what is it? They still have some, you know, some plants growing in there. Is there like a, a fountain still running or you know, do they even keep the lights on? All those questions. Yeah, this is uh, this is going to be a fun one, folks. So coming up next, Dan is going to walk us through the interesting world of the Dead Mall Explorer. But first, some hip hop from the Detroit, Ethan, Michigan area, Dan. This is the artist Hugo Monster with the track Carry On right here. On men seeking tomahawks. Things are copacetic, I'm dope cause I'm supposed to get it. Goals I set on my meet them, cause I don't neglect them. Thought I mentioned all ideas started sketches. But really, man, it's your follow through that gets respected. Cut a skeptic even if it has a friendship. Yo, they fear rejection, steer you in the wrong direction. Expect the disrespect, understand it, get that message. If you need help, use the ooze and ours as reference. Play the hand I'm dealt with, man, you're so pathetic. Claim to be authentic, but make deals with prosthetics. Learn my lessons, stop giving losers too much credit. To simply build their own Offer your investment Reward my efforts With a night out in a beverage Write lines through the idols Off my checklist And oh, don't you ever get too desperate When you making records Telling us you're broken Independent Sounds regressive Carry on Like she about to kill the gym again Carry on like it don't matter If you lose or win Carry on Cause that's the only thing you can do So why not take a chance and gamble Carry on Like rejection didn't matter Carry on Cause the rhyme is getting fatter Carry on it's not dwelling on the past. Yo, I did the math. Those feelings never last. The sounds be bumping out your Sony speakers. Got you jumping out some Cody sneakers. Don't you boss our roast keister? Listen close and try and keep up. The homie know what those are beat up. Matter of fact, he alley it. I grab and glad I looped it. I kicked the rhyme and straight produced it. The blueprint is to do it execution. Ain't no lazy bone like you impersonating flows in my body. I get I'm the only one that got me. Copy that you sloppy cat slaughter gag. My hits hit your ears at all the hours. Leaving you with cauliflower. Call me coward never. The only one in my circle put in effort. Couldn't phrase it any better. Oh, you young John God, God, King, wanna be. Talk a whole lot, but don't own property. And what does happen? 
having money, gotta do it artistry. Grab your nuts, be you, and rock properly. Times are an issue. Folks rather be liked online than in person. It's the truth, be observant. After every rhyme, it's like my spirit reemerges. A constant reassurance, I ain't even scratched the surface. Carry on, like she about to kill the gym again. Carry on, like it don't matter if you lose or win. Carry on, cause that's the only thing you can do. So why not take a chance and gamble? Carry on, like rejection didn't matter. Carry on, cause the rhyme is getting fatter. Carry on and stop dwelling on the past. Yo, I did the math, the feelings never last. Hugo Monster, carry on. Good track. A little bit of uh, pull the curtain back. We may have stumbled onto a, I don't want to call them a label, but there's a hip-hop fraternity of some sort in Detroit who we're now becoming buddies with. And so we might join Hugo monster with some of his other brethren and uh, have some more fresh stuff coming up, Dan. So good stuff though. I'm excited. I mean, obviously, uh, obviously a fantastic city for music going back decades. So doesn't surprise me one bit. When that came by my desk, I was happy. I was, I was pleasantly surprised. If you'd like to hear more from Hugo Monster or any of the other artists you've heard on the program, go to menseekingtomahawks.com. Now, Dan, I hand the baton off to you so that you can delve into the uh, eerie, strange world of dead mall exploration. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the handoff there. Yeah, you know, this one is going to be what probably, I guess, already has been a theme on the show and probably will continue to be a recurring theme, and that's things that we became interested in or invested in or any number of things that's happened during the quarantine during the pandemic because I think we all changed our lifestyles a little bit changed our habits which opened the doors for new things and you know when I got done watching Tiger King and got through all the (laughs) love islands and couldn't find any more love islands and didn't really want to dive into the bachelor and bachelorette yet I started diving into YouTube more which I've never used YouTube for things other than you know, if there's a, a show I missed or I hear something specifics on YouTube, I've never, or, you know, you search, obviously Google will present YouTube results, but I've never like had shows on YouTube or subscribed to channels on YouTube that I would watch every time they came out. So that was something I started looking into a little bit more during the pandemic. And one of the things that I became very fascinated with was that I discovered through YouTube was this subculture that you mentioned around dead and dying malls. So it's exactly like it sounds, these malls that are either completely shut down, and we're talking shopping malls for anyone who that maybe doesn't mean anything to if you're outside the U.S. These are shopping malls, retail centers. Usually you go into this giant building and then there's levels and aisles of stores and you've got what we call anchors, which are the the big retailers that kind of are the end caps of each of these big segments of the mall. And there's this subculture of people who, I guess they're about our age, Jack, and maybe give or take 10 years, but really kind of that, that era of when the malls started popping up. And, you know, there's the term mall rats that I think are maybe, maybe a generation behind us or a little bit older than us were considered the mall rats, but the people that would just identify with hanging out at, at malls all the time, all day, every day. Do, sure. do you have any, any youth experiences with the malls or any kind of personal relationship with malls in doing my research for this episode i googled the the mall that we used to go to as kids in houston 
and it's it is it's a it is a long dead mall and it looking at the old pictures of like the old school uh piccadilly cafeteria that was there like the lights the the bricks i just remember because you're right we were a little bit too young for the mall rat heyday if you will but i just remember that place being magic just absolute pure magic you know it was uh, stuff really interesting stuff to look at when it whenever like i think i was in choir in middle school and we would do performances at the mall and it was like holy cow we've made it you know like it just it had this feel of like people at the mall are watching us sing jingle bells oh my god you know so yeah it, it was definitely uh a different kind of place and it's in its day yeah and i think that's something that was the most in, in later on, I think we'll get into maybe the history a little bit, but that was one of the most exciting things about malls was it was really kind of a community center. Like, yes, you know, yep. there's all the stores and stuff, but you just mentioned it. You'd go there and there'd be, you know, community fashion shows or Christmas present, you know, singing presentations or Santa. I mean, most people, if they went to sit on Santa's lap when they were a kid, it happened at the shopping mall. You bet. Um, Easter Bunny. They had the little Easter trains that would go around. Mm -hmm. It was just like you know, not just the stores, but it was a full experience. Yeah. You know, you mentioned your mall in, in Houston. My mall was, it was Irving mall uh, where I grew up it was not, it was a suburb of Dallas and Irving was a little bit larger of a suburb. Yeah. Um, and it was best known for all the gang shootings. I, I, I didn't know that at the time, but that was what we frequented. And now that I looked back and researched it a little bit, you know, the main things on Wikipedia are all the gang fights that happen there. So, so it's, um, it's, it's not surprising that these places have all closed down because of that connotation and many other factors. And it, uh, I, I, I would just reason to believe that these explorers that you're going to walk us through have a lot of places that they can do some exploring because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that, that's really what I discovered. And I had, so like you said, we're not the mall rat generation a little bit later, but I did frequent the malls and kind of through my adolescent would hang out there. Um, you know, take a girl there. That would be the date, the appropriate date when you were, you know, 15 years old, couldn't sure. drive and had to be dropped off somewhere safe. So I did have a, a close fascination or a close relationship with malls. So that's why when I discovered these dozens, if not hundreds of YouTube channels of these people that were, you know, fanatics way more than me, but they would really almost create these little mini documentaries of, of varying uh, qualities and varying styles, but these documentaries of these malls and, you know, the term is dead malls. That's what we call it. But again, it's dead or dying malls, sometimes even thriving malls, but that's the dead mall community is what they call themselves. And, you know, the, the documentaries really can be as simple that these people are creating as simple as a 10 minute walk around a small mall where they'll, you know, sometimes it's just a handheld camera that's that's bouncing around, but you get a feel for as if you were visiting this mall. And, you know, sometimes it's super highly produced. Sometimes they have uh, clips from the news when the mall opened the first time in the 70s or the 80s and all this excitement. They have uh, pictures of, you know, when there's lines out the door and then they'll cut back to the current shot where you've got one out of every 10 shops is open. Mm -hmm. And really, it's just it's just fascinating to me. And, and it's almost one of those things where you're not going to sit there and I mean, I guess you could binge watch them, but you're not just sitting there and like so focused on looking at every single storefront they walk by. And is this one open? Is this one closed? And it's almost and maybe this is the reason why I, I've kind of caught a bug for watching these is it's very passive viewing. So you can put it on 
when you're doing the dishes or even when you're working and just kind of have it off on the side there. And it's peaceful. It's relaxing. Sometimes they put music. One of these guys, Aces Adventures is his channel. He always uses like 80s music, like super corny, cheesy 80s music. Sure. And it's fun and kind of creates, you know, he might be walking around this mall for 40 minutes just shooting, you know, a walking scene. But the music keeps it fun. And again, it's good passive viewing. And I think that's why I really kind of got hooked to these because, yes, it's a fascinating topic to me, kind of that urban exploration type vibe. But also, it's not like putting on a show on Netflix where you have to pay attention and be super focused. Right. It's somewhere in the middle there where it get, it has my attention, but also doesn't need my attention, if that makes sense. What is that What is that phrase, that term for uh, certain sounds that are just uh, appealing? What You know what I'm talking about? The... Yeah, there's a very scientific sound. Yeah, a very scientific name. Yeah, there's a very scientific name, and that just popped up in my head while you were talking about that. But that was kind of my take on what you're saying is that it is it is something that is is definitely easy to do passive watching because it would be there's certain sounds you know you're just listening to these echoey abandoned halls and you know very you know docile hushed tones from the people that are doing the recording and they're just saying you know hey over there that's where you know the radio shack used to be you know it's it is it's almost a little bit like bob ross kind of feel to it yeah it is but just in but in a completely different way yeah uh so yeah that's why it's cool and then what even got me even deeper into this is i would notice a lot of these channels they would mention you know hey we're part of the dead malls of discord family and some of these some of these yeah yeah, so so some of these youtube channels would have a hundred thousand subscribers and they would say it and then you'd see one that maybe their videos only got a couple hundred views and they would say it too. So I took it upon myself to jump in a couple of months ago to the Dead Malls of Discord, a Discord server, which if you're not familiar, is just kind of like an online community, right. almost like a modern day forum. So there's different uh, you know, message boards within the forum, different channels. And these people, like they have this really engaged community. So there's about 3,000 people in this uh, this Discord server. And what I, what I found pretty fascinating was at any given time, like 10 or 20% of those people are online, which is like a large amount. Usually you'd sign up for a message board, but not, you know, check in every few weeks or something. And this, these people that are in it are constantly in there and they're chatting and they're, they're giving tips about like, Hey, I just stopped by this mall. I heard it's going to be torn down and, you know, in three weeks. So, or, you know, closed down and locked up in three weeks. So you need to get out there. And then a bunch of people go out there and they'll shoot their videos there knowing it's the last chance. So you know, it's a community, not of just them, of not just of people sharing this interest, but they almost share these like tips and tricks. And they'll talk about, hey, at this mall, the security guard does this kind of route at this time. And <laughs> well, and, and we know, should we should mention that because a lot these the, a lot of this is illegal that we're referencing. And so a lot of the uh, one of the big, strong components of this is how they are ducking security quite frequently. Right. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting because sometimes, uh, yeah, and it's it's illegal, and it's it's funny because every once in a while, these people, some of the channels are known to be more confrontational with the security guards than others. So some of these guys will start referencing certain uh, whatever of the Constitution about freedom of <laughs> you know filming, and this is a public place, uh, and start you know start kind of yeah. opening up the you know opening up the good book for uh, <laughs> against security. Um, and Those then, you poor, know, poor you, security guys, exactly. This mall security, especially in these dying malls, it's, you know, literally a high school kid on his lunch break or, you know, yeah. doing his community service or something yeah. like that. But yeah, so there's some common things that, that I've noticed within the community and the, these videos and 
number one is always avoiding mall security saying, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put the camera down for a minute, but I'm not going to turn it off. That kind of thing. Another one is anyone who's familiar with YouTube or publishing to YouTube, you really can't use copyrighted music on your channels. And if you do, uh, it'll often like cut you off from monetizing your channel. So a lot of these people are doing this to try to make a few bucks off their videos on YouTube. And, uh, you know, if a, if a Nirvana song gets, play, you know, caught playing in the background, YouTube will say, okay, we'll leave your video up, but you can't make any money off of it. Right. So a lot of times you'll hear them. And then as they walk by a speaker, they'll start talking really loud <laughs> or something like that. They'll be like, sorry, guys, I walked by a speaker. So, oh, gosh. And it's funny, you know, a lot of these are more edited than that. So they might like have ways around that. And then other ones will just start screaming into their phone as they walk by it. So that's kind of a funny, that's funny. little thing yeah. that you see see recurring another thing is you know a lot of these malls they kind of die from the outside in we'll say so i talked about the anchor stores so most malls will have somewhere between two and five depending on the side anchor stores mm -hmm. and you know you'll you traditionally at least during our youth have a pennies a sears a dillard's a macy's those types of things maybe like a dick sporting goods or something like that yeah and it seems pretty common when these malls die First, those stores go. Mm -hmm. And then since those are the stores that most people would come to the mall for, then the, the stores on the inside will kind of dry up because that traffic dies down. So Sears was the first one recently in recent memory to basically shut down all of their stores. So that's one of the common things when you see these is they'll always say, oh, there's the old Sears, right? That's where the Sears used to be. Everyone has a place where Sears used to be. Now something like a JCPenney's, that's becoming more common. Oh, mm -hmm. there's where the pennies used to be. Sure. On the flip side, the other thing that's always kind of made a joke about is that the Bath and Body Works is always the last store to shut down. <laughs> so for some reason, you know, they'll, then they'll always joke about, you know, Bath and Body Works has it figured out. They somehow find a way to profit and make money when all the other stores are shut down. People still come to the mall for Bath and Body Works. So that's that's always a funny joke they punch in there. And then kind of the last thing that we're I'm starting to see out of these are these dying malls. But they have so when the anchors move out now they're starting to repurpose those anchor stores for thing different things altogether so what we're seeing a lot of now are like traditional brick and mortar stores like a best buy starting to take over yeah some of these anchor stores so you know if if you don't know this best buy is actually like thriving right now and this is you know who knows what's happening with the pandemic but best buy who is you know on on their last legs for a long time, mm -hmm. you know, with Amazon just kind of being taken over by online retailers, uh, Best Buy is actually starting to like pick up steam and thrive again. And so now stores like that are starting to see these opportunities of, hey, these anchor stores in the mall, giant empty spaces. Yeah, there's not just a whole lot of, of, of stores that need that much square footage, that much real estate, right? But something like a Best Buy or other you know, large retailers or grocery stores like that, you're starting to see some of those types of stores move in. Now, the thorn in the side of these mall hunters or these mall explorers or whatever you want to call them is that what commonly happens is they move into these old anchor stores, but then they close off the entrance at the mall and then say, oh, you right. have to enter from the outside. I, I did which, see that, yeah. Which like completely kills any benefit to the mall. If you can't cross through the Best Buy to get into the mall right. or maybe enter the Best Buy from the mall, then it might as well not be there. So for the sake of the mall sur surviving, it might be okay because a big, you know, rental space has been rented out, but these, these mall people don't like it at all. It's very odd. It reminds me of when all the circuit cities closed and you had things moving into circuit city 
And, you know, for those who don't, who aren't aware, Circuit City had a big red cube at the big, at the top, at the, the front of the store always. And so these other people would move into those spaces and they'd leave the big red cube and, but they would now be something different. And it's like, no, you're Circuit City. No, we're not. We're uh, grandma's uh, secondhand thrift store. That's, that's who we are. It's like, so, so what's the red? Yeah. Do you remember when, when there, I think this is another thing and this is kind of a shiny object that distracted me just now, you know, the old school, like people would note the old IHOPs, like things that used to be IHOPs and now there's something different, but they are very clearly used to be IHOPs. I feel like that, like watching a few of these mall explorer things, that was definitely something that uh, grabbed my attention was seeing what the thing was that became the next thing. And it's like, no, you, I see what you used to be. It's, it's right there. So, yeah, that's real big. And like, uh, I want to say, you know, stores that are just so recognizable to malls, like a Spencer's gifts or a hot topic when they become like, you know, perfume emporium, but they still got the same facade that uh, Spencer's gift has. So. A lot of these Explorer videos, Dan, I mean, obviously, just like any other YouTube video or podcast, greatly range in quality. And so you you kind of turned me onto these, and I've, I've been watching a bunch of them. The, the ones that really fascinate me, and I feel like they're the ones that are the most low-hanging fruit, are the ones where the mall is so closed down and has been for so long that it becomes a time capsule. Like I, those are to me, those were the most fascinating ones where you're walking through an old movie theater and you're seeing the old school refreshments logo. That's, you know, 1970s writing. That was the stuff that really enticed me about these videos was, I mean, they're, they're basically time capsules, right? A lot of these malls just shut down in stride. And so what's inside is, what it looked like exactly in 1979. Yeah. And you know, again, there's different, like you said, different ranges of, of types of coverage of these malls and types of production and stuff. Um, there's, there's two, the proper people is one channel and bright sun films is the other. And they very much specialize in like abandoned locations. And every once in a while they'll hit a mall and they're the ones that are like, you know, super breaking into places and the police often will get called on them and they'll often have, have to talk their way out. And those are channels like I've watched before because those are really neat if yeah. they're going into like abandoned indoor water parks right. or things like that. They're just super fascinating. And when they do malls, it's exactly like that. But then some of these others, again, it's more like malls that aren't necessarily closed. Yeah. So it's not like, hey, this is a super time capsule. But, you know, it's interesting because, again, every mall has a different story to tell. And I think that's why it's fascinating to me every time they put out a a new video that on the surface looks like it could be a new, you know, or it could be the same, but you know, really it's different. Like one that comes to mind is Cincinnati mills mall. Any of us that lived anywhere in the country, there's like a mills mall everywhere. Oh, yeah. We have grapevine mills here. Katie mills. I um, mean, everything, uh, mills, everything. And Cincinnati mills is one that is so bizarre because it's a giant mall, just like all the other mills are. And there's literally like one store there. But for some reason, they don't shut down the inside, so you can walk through the entire mall. Oh, wow. And there's literally only one little store in one corner open. Yeah. And so people go in there because something like that, that is a time capsule, but they're not really, other than filming when they're not supposed to. Right. They're not doing anything wrong, but it's just like, like you said, this movie theater hasn't been touched for seven or eight years. Some, you know, so, so some of those are like that. Um, you know, the other one that kind of comes comes to mind is what I see as the most popular mall that all these channels are going to, 
and it's the one from the Stranger Things season three. Oh yeah, I don't know if you've seen. Of course, yeah. <laughs> the uh, it's called Gwinnett Place, and it's in Georgia. I'm sure they called it something different in Stranger Things, but that's the one that when you know this old mall that was set in the '80s, like that was like scratching the itch of all these people. So when that happened, everyone wanted to go there, and and you know, not surprisingly. That's the one with the strictest security that everyone's trying to figure out how to get behind oh, I bet. or, you know, get around because there's so much of this happening now. So you know, it's pretty fascinating. I, I think about that a lot about the on location mall, like whenever someone shoots a period piece, that's a 1980s mall. Do you like that just by itself it really intrigues me because you, you mentioned Stranger Things and then recently there was the Wonder Woman sequel and uh, the the int- the beginning of that movie is is in the the mall and i just think about these these hollywood crews coming into a dead mall and having to pull a home renovation makeover on these places like i would love to know more about that is just somebody who walks into a dead mall probably urine coated by hobos and just Okay, that's going to be the like rebuild the Spencers, you know, make make that passable on TV, uh, rebuild the food court, put all these light. I mean, I would I would sit down and watch that for hours. Yeah. And that I wonder, you know, this is going a little off course here, but I wonder if that type of thing doesn't have to be done as much now with like CGI and all of that. Of course. Like if you call 20 years ago where they literally like we have to rebuild this section of the mall to look like it did in the 80s. Um, well, that, and also if you like are still one of the few stores that's open in that mall <laughs> and you see what it, oh, that's what it used to look like. That's why yeah. any of this is here. And now we're going, you know, after that shuts down, then it's back to normal. Yeah. That, that it's a, it's like moving a city into, uh, you know, into a, a dead space. I, I don't know. I just, I just invented something for myself to look into, I guess. So there you go. But yeah, so, you know, in the, in the show notes at menseekingtomahawks.com, I'll put some links to some of my favorite channels, but highly recommended uh, to dive in. Maybe you don't have to join the discord server like me, but if you're looking for something just to kind of throw on while you're doing something else on YouTube, it's definitely fascinating and you might end up getting in the wormhole like I did. Agreed, Dan. Agreed. So that is kind of in a nutshell, kind of a look at where malls are at currently. So in our next segment, I think what we want to do here is kind of talk about the surprising history of malls. There's some really crazy stuff there. Uh, Talk about what the experts consider the future of malls, and then maybe kind of lend some of our commentary on what our thoughts are. So that's coming up in our next segment. But first... We are going to turn our attention to some indie dance punk, Dan. This is the artist Basement Rock with the song Spring, right here on Men Seeking Tomahawks. Well, it must have been a day just like any other. Wake up, go to work one after another. But something told me this time it's gonna change. It's all not quite the same way it's been arranged. Trying to see what the hell I missed. And I knew it'd be pissed if anything was amiss. But it was just this. Couldn't tell what was different. The only part delivered is the same that make you feel considerate. So maybe just consider this. Not just a twist. No one who's here after this. How you choose. Wonder about it all you want. But at some point, the haunting will turn. Your deliverance for fear and the ignorance of the rest. Of the rest. Of the rest. Of the rest. 
Coming up on next week's episode of Men Seeking Tomahawks. Dan, are you sure about this? Okay. This is the teaser, guys. We are going to have a roundtable movie review, official movie review of the movie Tiptoes. You will need to be by the channel for that. And actually look it up. If you can find a copy and watch it yourself so you can enjoy the review with us it'll it'll go a lot further but if not you'll uh, we'll paint the picture in your mind if you do if you do take a look at that movie we apologize in advance so uh what we just listened to was the artist basement rock and the song spring that's a little bit of uh indie dance punk dan just to you know keep things fresh keep things moving in a different direction for you Men Seeking Tomahawks if, is nothing if not diverse music choices. Exposing you to new artists from all over the world. I, truly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so let's get back to Mall Talk because, quite frankly, this is the 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 segment that I'm more prepared for. So I, I have more to contribute here, Dan. Get off your phone, Dan. Come on. I was just confirming that we can uh, advise everyone that if you're a member of Amazon Prime, then you can watch Tiptoes absolutely free as a part of that. If you have the Roku channel, if you have Pluto TV, those are both ad-supported versions of the TV of the movie. But Tiptoes, one word, watch it, and then join us next. We week. have we have hard we have over hard sold that this is going to be a effing disaster. So Dan, let's kind of pull the microscope back a little bit, right? Because what we just talked about was. Uh, the, the, the people who are now kind of examining the ruins of the mall, but how did we get there? Right. What, what was it that drove malls to be what they are now? And what, let's look a little bit at the history of malls. So this, this sounds like this is something, an individual that you had a lot of familiarity with. I did not. So you, you have, you told me that, you know, quite a bit about one Victor Gruen. Correct. Yeah, I mean, I've I've not maybe done as much research as as you have at this point, but it's a name that's very familiar to 
those of us I now call those of us oh. who are into the the mall well, culture. Well, well. well, I I'll, I will reveal who this is for those of us who aren't because I I found this to be extremely fascinating and kind of explain some stuff, right? So, so Dan, you and I live in the greater Dallas area, which is bisected by interstate 35. If, uh, if you and I were to jump on it right now and head North for, I don't know, probably 15, 20 hours, we would run into a sign for a town called Edina, Minnesota. And Edina, Minnesota is likely notable for a few things. The thing that I'm aware of, though, is the fact that it is home to the Southdale Center Mall, which can be described uh, officially as the first mall in America ever. And it was the brainchild of one Victor Gruen. Now, Victor Gruen is he's the man who started malls. He uh, was from Vienna and fled to the U.S. in 1938 because, you know, Hitler. Uh, But while he was in Vienna, uh, he went to the uh, Vienna Academy of Fine Arts. I believe they are the fighting farmers. He studied architecture while there under the tutelage of socialist urban planners. And so you might think, okay, this guy is a dirty European socialist. What the heck would he do developing out one of the most obvious examples of Western civilization capitalism, right? The the freaking mall, right? And the reason that that's so funny is that his idea in no way reflected what the modern mall is. And and moreover, it's kind of ironic because I think his idea probably wouldn't be shuddering in, in mass currently if, if he would have been able to really fulfill his vision. So Dan, think about this right now. If you were to go to a mall, what is it surrounded by? Parking lots. That's it. There's no parking there. there, That's just fields and fields and fields of parking lots. Right. And Victor Gruen's concept was that you would have this central area for shopping, right? Which, which is what, which is the, the one part of the idea that was plucked out by us dirty American pigs and stuff. But what his concept really was, was that that mall, as we know it, would be a dense, mixed-use urban center. So instead of being surrounded by parking lots, there would be apartments, there would be schools, there would be medical facilities, parks, offices. You would essentially live at the mall. And his thought process was obviously because, you know, again, he was from Vienna and was uh, taught by people who had slightly different perception of how things should go than we do, right? And his idea was, I hate urban sprawl, you know, he was not a fan of the interstate littered with motels and billboards and, you know, clutter. He, he thought 
let's get all of these people to basically live in these little, I mean, you could call them what, micro cities. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a really fascinating concept that is in no way reflective of, of what a mall actually is. So, okay. So obviously, like you said, that's not what happened. Like we can look around, we see the malls. That's not what happened. What this sounds like is anytime any city wins a bid for a sports stadium in their town, and this has happened several times in Arlington with Cowboys and Rangers and stuff, is they're pitched, the city taxpayers who are voting on this are pitched, okay, at the center of this will be the stadium, but then surrounding the stadium, we're going to have restaurants and clubs and shopping centers and office buildings and apartments, and it's going to be a mixed use with the stadium at the yeah. center. And that almost never happens because once the stadium gets built, whoever built it's like, cool, that's all we really wanted. So we're just going to forget about right. the rest. Is it a situation like that? Or, or do you know, is there a different reason why that vision never came to pass? I, you know, I don't, I don't know that. I, I think that it's, it's just that whole socialism versus capitalism argument is as far as I could tell, I'm not, I'm not going to act like I'm the expert. I go, it sounds good on, it sounds good in theory and it looks good on paper, but like good luck ever yeah, making the, it happen. The, kind the of American thing. audience wants its big automobile. It wants to drive out to its suburban house, uh, far away from the 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 inner city for you know x amount of reasons, and so yeah, I just think that what what happened was this guy had this idea and he said, hey, look, this is what I want to do, and all they heard was the part where we have the ability to sell lots of stuff, you know, <laughs> and that seems what it happened. Reading about this, it really fascinated me because. Like we're sitting here, look, we're, we're sitting here talking about all these failed malls and we're like, yeah, they failed. But to, to know that at its root, it was supposed to be something entirely different. It's really hard not to sit here and think, shoot, I think that might've worked. I, I, I look at all these, all these developments that are moving farther and further out from the city center. Look at where you live. Look at where I live. What if we were all the way back in, in these units that we don't have to spend the same amount of money on you know we don't necessarily need an automobile if if our whole lives are focused in on this this machine as he has he put it it's really kind of hard not to throw that hypothetical up in the air and just think these this does not sound bad this might address a lot of issues you know homelessness uh traffic i mean all sorts of stuff well, and it's interesting because what we didn't get into with when I was talking about the current state of dead malls is a lot of these malls are getting the term is redeveloped yes. and they're submitting the redevelopment sure. plans. And what they're redeveloping these malls into are exactly what you described is, well, we've got this center, you know, we've got a few successful things happening, but obviously most of these malls were built in their locations because it's prime locations, probably conveniently located to a bunch of neighborhoods or interstates or high traffic intersections. Right. So that's why these malls were there in the first place. And while they're failing, the land they sit on is super valuable. Yes. So what they're doing is redeveloping these. And uh, like there's one here in Plano, a Collin Creek mall that's being redeveloped. And it's almost going to be exactly like, like what you described. Oh, we are going to have the retail, but we're doing the office yeah. buildings and kind of all of that. And I don't know if this is like, you know, take two or if this time it's really going to start happening in these exact same locations that, 50 years ago, mixed use developments could have been built on just like Victor was, was wanting or, or yeah. thinking. And now it's actually going to come and, to and pass. And I want to get into the mall 2.0 as it's called, but I'm, I'm not quite there yet because I wanted to ask you 
if you were familiar, you were familiar with Victor Gruen, but did you know that he and Walt Disney were pals? Were you familiar with that angle of it? I did not, but I, I they're from the same era. Yeah. So that makes sense. Well, this is super interesting because essentially, uh, you know, Disneyland, whenever it opened, was a huge success. And what happened there, as you and I know, because we've uh, we put on a conference in the same town, is that Disneyland is surrounded by motels, gas stations, interstates, all that stuff that Victor Gruen despised, right? Well, it turns out that the same thing happened with Walt Disney. As soon as he built Disneyland, he was super upset about what all sprouted up around it. And so you're familiar with Epcot because Epcot exists today, currently in Florida, right? What today is Epcot is not at all what Disney was intending Epcot to be. Epcot, Dan, actually stands for Experimental Prototype City of Tomorrow. And before Walt Disney passed away in the 60s, he and Victor Gruen were developing what they were referring to as Epcot to be Victor Gruen's concept. He was going to build out a a theme park, an amusement park, but as part of it, but it was also going to be this living city that was basically a city that they built in the swamp, that they built from the ground up, that was this high-density, multi-use space. And never happened. Epcot is something entirely different now. But I thought that was extremely fascinating. So I guess the whole project got scrapped and Victor Gruen was no longer involved once his buddy passed on. Yeah, I don't suppose so. And it's weird because this is not the last time that we're going to talk about theme parks in this segment and, and their relation to the mall. Um, but yeah, it, this is a, con- this is not a, a new concept. And again, I just feel like it got buried by people who saw an opportunity to make a bunch of money and then go, you know, drive their big ass Cadillac back into the Hills and not worry about any of the rest of it. But this sounds much far more sustainable and and pretty fascinating to me. And so to move on to what you had said about the, you know, the re reimagination of the mall, the mall 2.0, definitely there are those that are suggesting that we kind of adopt some of these historical concepts that were intended to be part of the mall. But, you know, we, we should mention one of our founding members of Men Seeking Tomahawks. He is in marketing and, and his specific niche is the experience, the brand experience. And if you start reading at any length about what the experts think the Mall 2.0 is, what I'm reading is it's all going to be experience-driven. And the model that they are reflecting, or the, the model that they are modeling this after, is the theme park, which... I was unaware of this as well, but apparently several years back, theme parks realized that we don't need to charge you more at the door. We need to keep you in the park longer so that we can get, instead of you going down the street to have dinner at Burger King, you're going to have dinner with Mickey Mouse over here and we're going to charge you, you know, $70 for that same hamburger. And so basically that's what a lot of these marketing gurus are saying is that the new mall is going to have to be a place that's it's it's a fun experience that you can see yourself spending 
lots of time and and more substantially more money at. Yeah, this is interesting because th- what this reminds me of is right before the pandemic hit. So call it late 2019. Uh, Toys R Us, which notoriously had a bunch of like bankruptcies and shutting down all the stores. Um, they had actually relaunched, but they were relaunching instead of their own standalone stores like they were known for. They were relaunching inside malls, and it was a very scaled down compared to like the mega toy store that Toys R Us was so known for. So is this for. like, a, po- is this like were, a pop-up store? No, they were opening up as permanent residents or whatever you want to call it, oh, tenants wow. in these locations. But they were doing it with exactly like you described with experiential type setups. So they would set up, you know, again, in more of a mall storefront, not even like the anchor stores, but your typical, you know, what you would see a Spencer's or a, or a hot topic. Again, I, I hate going back to those, but kind of the old standbys and malls, that kind of thing. And instead of rows and rows of toys and action figures and blah, 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 they would have several different, I don't know if exhibits is the right words, but little, little stations in there and whatever the current, you know, product du jour was or, or video game system was or, or toy was, they would just have a few of those and you would go and sit down and you would actually experience the the toy or experience the, you know, you might walk into Legoland within Toys R Us right. and then, you know, they hope you'd walk out. So that, that's funny that, you know, an iconic brand like Toys R Us was going for that. And exactly like you said, that's potentially where the entire mall itself might and, be. Headed. And I don't hate that. I don't know about you, but like, I, I, I feel like malls got to a point where they were just completely unsustainable because they were just stores. They were storage of massive amounts of stuff. We obviously don't need that anymore because internet, right? So since since it's unnecessary, it is really kind of cool to think I can go and it's 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 a fun time. It's a fun outing, right? And I can try some stuff out and, and have an experience. I don't hate that at all. No, I think it's really cool from the customer standpoint. It seems like a much more compelling sales pitch to come into the mall and do that kind of thing versus... Um, you know, either just roam the aisles and, and pop into every store to look for what you're looking for. Um, I, I guess the big holdup that I see is like these malls, most of them are like mega malls, yeah. right? Even the small ones, they have a hundred different storefronts. Yeah. So how many, how many different stores or brands or whatever you want to call it, is this actually a fit for? Because, you know, when you walk through a mall, you see a few of those recognizable national brands. But then you do see kind of the mom and yeah. pop setups or the, you know, perfume junction or whatever these right. are. So you've got just the the vast quantity of malls, uh, of mall storefronts uh, would almost, you know, not it's not going to fit for all of those, all of those, you know, supposed tenants. Yeah. So I could see this type of thing like for a Toys R Us, like could you get a dozen, uh, dozen stores in there maybe to do this kind of thing? And, you know, I could see people making a day of, hey, we're going to the mall and we're going to check out these 12 stores. But because each store you're going in and again, it's an experience, not just a pop in and buy yeah. something. I could see that. So while I have a the analytical side of me has a hard time envisioning current malls, just being able to adopt right. that, I could certainly see why that on a conceptual level is something that could become a you're, thing. You're absolutely right. I think that it's going to have to be a bespoke boutique experience and that's not a fit for a lot of entities a lot of brands this is a this this is again we we just get caught by shiny objects all the time don't we but i will make this quick for whatever reason i was at a marketing conference years ago and the keynote speaker 
was the president of marketing outside of us for Apple. And it was one of the funniest speeches I've ever been a part of because the audience hated what he had to say. It was all, I mean, they, they, they all turned on him the, the whole thing. Cause you know what an Apple store is, right? It's three items on an Ikea table, right? And there's a line out the door. And he was trying to explain to him this mentality of you can't have, you know, your, your showroom floor needs to be an experience. It doesn't need to have 5 million things, you know, falling off the shelves. And it was not the right thing for big box, uh, electronic store in the, the, the mid teens. Like that was not what they wanted to hear. So th it's an ev ever evolving model. Um, and it's an ever evolving conversation. And when you just said it, like you mentioned Ikea though, and this is a little bit off the mall topic, but when you go to Ikea, it kind of is an experience. Like you go there and I hate Ikea. You almost have to make a day of it. Yeah. Some it's people hate it. Place. Some people hate it. I mean, it's a maze and you have to follow the maze to see. I think anything. there was a guy that got arrested because he put his own arrows on the ground at Ikea. Like he basically just, just started sending he, people he basically the wrong trapped directions. people in an, in an unescapable labyrinth. And, and that man is my hero because. Yeah. So there, there's definitely Ikea haters, but you can, you have to admit that going into a normal Haverty's store is a different experience or, you know, Haverty's that's our local furniture, you know, mega store rooms to go, whatever. It is a different experience than Ikea. Maybe the experience that Ikea delivers misses the mark for a lot of people, but they have kind of, you know, this term reimagined. Yeah. They have reimagined the shopping experience for furniture. And I could see that kind of thing happening in malls. Too. It's a weird, it's weird, man, because reading about Victor Gruen and that whole aspect of it, I feel like that guy had an idea that might have been world changing. And that's I feel like it's 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 way over here and and it's not gonna happen. And I feel like that's one element of this whole conversation, but then the other element it is, well, we might not be solving homelessness and, you know, emissions crises and whatnot, but you're going to go to toy stores and it's going to be a fun time. You know, it's, it's weird, but to kind of wrap this up, Dan, I, I wanted to kind of talk to you about some of my parting thoughts on the mall and kind of, you know, just give uneducated guesses on things I think might be kind of neat. Right. So I don't know to me, much in line with what we've said here about some stores being able to turn into an experience and other stores and not being a good fit for, I think failure at some level is inevitable. I feel like there are going to be plenty of places that these mall explorers will, will be able to go break into and document on YouTube because I just don't see the amount of mall space in this country being able to turn it all around. And I, 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 I don't know. What do you think? Is that about what you feel? Yeah. I mean, I think the part of the mall's demise is online shopping, just like several other, you know, whole industries, the, the internet has, has taken down. Um, so I think that kind of thing, like just the need, you don't have the need necessarily to go to the mall to buy things right. that you used to. Um, but also the overbuilding of malls, I think is, is equally big. You know, like I said, when the 90s, when I used to go to Irving Mall, it was because not because it was close, it was 30 minutes away, but it was the closest. And then now that same house probably has three or four malls within a shorter drive. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just 
you know, and, and, you know, add on the strip centers and the outdoor malls and all these things we have. But so I think that overdevelopment is certainly a thing. So naturally some of it will have to die. Like it's just overbuilt and that's why it's dying. But I don't think that means that none of those malls or those locations where the malls are can ever succeed. Sometimes, you know, you have to let the other, the, you know, the other side die off before you can figure out what's next. Yeah. And to that point, really, I feel as if coming out of COVID, like when that actually happens, when we're actually out of COVID, I really think most of these locations are going to enjoy a dead cat bounce, right? Like it, it might not be that the malls are saved or anything, but oh my God, for the next five to 10 years, if there's a place that people can go, I think they're going to go, you know, just be based off of what has happened over the past year plus. So I feel like there's going to be uh, somewhat of a, like I said, a dead cat bounce, not, not turning it around, but a trend back in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, and I think we all, especially some of the States that have been even tighter lockdown where you've just had, you've been forced to buy your groceries online or forced to do all of your shopping through Amazon and, you know, home delivery and, you're almost, you'd almost be willing to pay, you know, pay the gas to get somewhere and go in there and just feel something, you know, feel something real again, or sit at a real dining table, you know, a real restaurant table again, and not have to just wait for that Amazon package to ring at the front door. So yeah, I think you're right. I think there will be a, um, you know, dead cat bounce, which a lot of people don't even know what that means, but it's a stock market term and a dead cow, even a dead cat will bounce. If you drop it, you know, I, I am a stock market expert now. Right. (laughs) So, you know, Uh, What I wanted to do to kind of finish it out was maybe talk about, obviously, a lot of these places are going to be done for. They're going to be bulldozed. They're going to be condos in a year. But you got these big-ass places, right? And big-ass places are are valuable. You know, I mean, heck, the place that the Rockets used to play in Houston is now a church. You know, there's always... I, I get fascinated by repurposing. So I wanted to run by you some ideas that I had that would be, I thought, really kind of novel uses for uh, for these, these big stores that are vacated. So one of the things I was thinking, Dan, is I've, I've been reading recently about how the future of farming is vertical. Have you Have you read much about that? I have actually have some friends who um, have a vertical farming company. They recently got a big investment in. Um, so yeah, it's definitely seems like it's a, a wave of the future. I, that, I, I can only think that if you had an empty space, the size of a Sears or a Foley's that that would be completely viable, you know, or, or well, I should say potentially viable. I am not an expert on anything, but that just seems like that might be kind of a really amazing thing especially when we start to talk about, you know, the original intent of a mall, wouldn't it be really cool if one of these places was to be able to create more food per square foot than a traditional farm? And oh, by the way, it's dirt cheap because nobody else wanted to pay the lease on a Sears. One, I mean, let's be honest, the way things are going, like cannabis, like there's so much, you know, the legalization of marijuana everywhere and these things require large square footage, you know, warehouse type setup hydroponics. Uh, if you're in the middle, if you're, yeah, exactly. If you're in, and if you're in the middle of the Dallas Fort Worth area, like there's no real estate left. Warehouses are at a premium right now, even with the pandemic, like, so you're not going to find that, but you sure as heck can find a, 
you know, several dead malls with uh, anchor tent stores that are completely open and probably the same size as some of these warehouses. I, I don't know why it's a bad idea, but it to me, it seems like a potential concept. What about data centers? You know, we I live in a town where uh, it's been making the local news uh, newspaper headlines for over a year now that Google's coming to town. They bought they they're building a building and they're putting servers up and. That's another thing where I just feel like, why would we not take, you know, Macy's and just fill it to the brim with servers? Because because server demand is not diminishing, right? It's not, but I don't think Victor Gruen would uh, appreciate that lack of I, look, uh, community focus for this I'm, idea. I'm not I'm not here on a mission, Dan. I'm just talking. Like I'm not <laughs> I'm not saying that we need to turn malls into low income housing and call it a day. I'm saying what what are the things that we could do? And I really think that, that to me seems like a, like a very potential, very good potential one. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 so, okay. So what about, and you might have this on your list, but what about like gyms, workout facilities, indoor sports facilities, like the types of places that you normally would see take over warehouses or build that type of structure? Um, Cause I'm trying to think of these, these types of businesses that use buildings of roughly that same size and height and all of that it just seems like there's you know opportunities for that again because i keep thinking about most cities in our area at least you know we're not talking about the midwest where there's you know sprawling areas to build things but in our area there's just not a whole lot of real estate left no that's not a bad idea the only other one i had for you to to ruminate on was something that we had talked about years ago uh, and it's a concept, and I think I think this might be something that's already a component of a lot of these mall reimaginations. But the uh, the restaurant incubator, and if if someone if a listener is not familiar, it's basically a restaurant space in which potential brand new restaurants can rent uh, on the cheap to try out their concepts. And if it works, you get out of there. If it doesn't, you're not out the same amount of capital. I feel like I think there's one by your house that kind of does something like that. Yeah, I think the other term is food food hall. Okay. Where it's basically like I mean, it's funny, but it's kind of like your old school mall uh food court, but just a little bit more structured and maybe several several nicer levels food, right? And yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, like you said, it's it's a little kiosk or little not kiosk, but I, I little blank canvases that like you said, small businesses, small restaurants can can hop in there and do a six month lease and try their idea out. And those places are really popular. Like, you know, I, I hate to call it like hipster popular, but that kind of thing. Like it's a cool hip place to visit, you know, kind of like breweries were for a while, kind of go there, hang out. And these food halls, at least the ones around here, are real cool concepts. And, you know, you take the uh take the special someone out for a date and you don't have to get the same food, but you can just order from a different fancy restaurant next to uh, next to the one you're ordering from and everyone's happy. And uh, yeah, it's real cool. And then you might have a beer garden out there connected to it. So yeah, lots of things you could do. You could have, especially in those large areas like a retail anchor, you know, square footage, you could put like a little indoor park in the middle or, you know, a fountain. There's a lot of cool things you could do. God, it's, you know, it's crazy. Let's start one. Let's go find well, an empty Sears and dude, build a food uh, hall. You remember a few years ago, we thought about the idea of like starting a brewing, like, like a incub- a brewing incubator, right? That was one of the, that kept coming to my mind. When we were talking about these things. I don't think it's the craziest idea, but the thing that really galls me is that 
we're sitting here just brainstorming two random guys who may or may not have any, you know, <laughs> any, any, uh, credibility or any clout to, to be doing any sort of ruminations of this level, but sit here and think about how wrong, just how wrong they got the concept of the mall to the point where there's an entire genre of YouTube video dedicated to, to watching <laughs> the autopsy. Essentially. It's crazy to think that's, that it's gotten that, that it was done so poorly. You know? Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people look at it that way either, though. They could just kind of see like this life cycle of, of any sort yeah. of businesses. It goes up and then it's going to come down. But, but you're right. You know, some businesses never, never crash because they were, you know, designed the right way or put into place the right way and could have been, could have been that way if Victor had never say way. never, Dan. But, uh, let's go ahead and pour one out to Victor Gruen and, uh, go spend a dollar or two at your, your local Spencer's fine gifts. Right, get a gift for mom and dad. Out, out of the 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 part in the back with the uh, the beaded entrance that you have to be eighteen to get into. They'll love it. They'll love it. Jack, I know you were just about to wrap up the show, and this is super last minute. But I kind of have a surprise guest who just made it into the studio. Uh, sure. Yeah, let him come on in. All right, all right. So, so I'm pretty excited to introduce our next guest. From what I understand, she is an actual dead mall explorer. Please welcome to the show, Fivel Dakofni. Hey, Fivel, welcome to Men Seeking Tomahawks. Thank you for the opportunity. So, Fivel, is that a family name or something? No, not at all. My parents said they named me Fivel because I was conceived during a showing of the 1986 animated motion picture, An American Tale. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, you see, Dad was the janitor at the movie theater in the mall, and my mom was the janitor at the movie theater in the mall. I, I see. And one night after the last showing of An American Tale, the crowds all left, and Mom and Dad were cleaning the empty theater. One thing led to another, and they end up just going to town on each other right then and there, right on the floor. <laughs> on the movie theater floor? That is that is disgusting. Lee beautiful, I know. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> so, Fievel, uh, you said your parents both worked in the mall. It sounds like uh, you have uh, quite a long history with malls. Oh, for sure. Matter of fact... After dad died, I got a job at the KB Toys right next to the movie theater to help the family. And when mom passed, we spread her ashes in the Sears. Why would your mother want her ashes spread in a closed down Sears? Who said anything about closed down? <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> disgusting. Um, if, if you're just joining us, we're speaking with Fievel Duchovny, Dead Mall Explorer. Fievel uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you witness going on in these desolate malls? A lot of hobos. I saw a couple <laughs> hobos giving each other COVID vaccination shots at the mall just yesterday. Ooh, Fievel, I don't think that's what those shots were. <laughs> Not very effective ones, at least. Saw one hobo take like three or four shots just to make sure it worked. Jeez, man, I can't even get the one. Did I ever tell you boys about the time I found true love at the mall? Uh, we just met you, so uh, you've not told us that one before. That's where I met my little pal Fido. Oh, wow, that's great. You adopted a dog you found in a dead mall? Dog, no. Dog-sized rat. 
Yes. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> that's terrible. Oh gosh. I remember it like it was yesterday, even though it was last Saturday. I had broken into the abandoned Cinnabon. That's when I first saw Fido. We both noticed the same tray of uncooked cinnamon rolls laying on the ground at the same time. Naturally, we commenced a fight for survival. Yeah. After we were both completely covered in blood and scratches, we stopped and looked at each other, and we just burst out laughing together. We shared the tray of rancid cinnamon rolls, and I took him home. I like to say he rescued me. That's uh, that's quite a heart touching uh, heart touching story, I guess. Uh, so, Fivel, what drives you to get into these malls and explore in the first place? Well, if I'm honest, I don't really know about this whole mall explorer thing you keep referring to i'm just looking for a job man and i've only ever worked in the mall foley sharper image sam goody radio shack sabaros circuit city retailers that are circling the drain and very obviously soon to be cold from the herd it's all i've ever known oh my gosh i was under the impression you were in the abandoned mall explorer business so <laughs> we could have a conversation revolving around this podcast's topic podcast i thought this was a job interview for a mall store you mean with a name like men seeking tomahawks you're not some kitschy knickknack shop in the mall that will undoubtedly go under in a matter of weeks <laughs> uh thank you fivel uh and so the men seeking tomahawks find themselves leaping from life to life striving to put right what once went wrong and hoping each time that their next leap will be the leap home. What? That, that's the wrong script. Oh, sorry. We rolling? That's all for Men Seeking Tomahawks. Be sure to subscribe to the program on your podcast app of choice. Join the Men Seeking Tomahawks on your favorite social media outlet. And to hear more from the musicians featured on today's program, go to menseekingtomahawks.com. I'm the voiceover guy. I love you. 